have been in Romans chapter 12, right? Looking at transformation. Just going to read those verses again, just foundational to every day of our life. Last Sunday I shared that these verses can be morning prayers. You always wondered, Lord, what can I pray even before I get out of bed? While I'm laying there, right? Whether it's an actual Bible or you've gone electronic on us with your phone or your tablet or you know something you may have right next to your bed. Uh, these verses make a wonderful prayer. Before you even get out of bed, you can pop your eyes open and either recite these verses, read them out loud, uh, and make it a prayer, right? So Romans 12, 1 and 2, look at, let's look at those together. It says, let's read it together. Ready, begin. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So how does that translate into a prayer? You might say, okay, tomorrow morning, uh, how, how, I don't get that. Usually we just read Scripture. You, and then you told us to memorize it. You asked us to memorize it. How am I supposed to pray that? So, so tomorrow morning you can wake up and you can read those verses, right? You can read them out loud. And, and here's how, maybe just to help for your prayer. Say, okay, Lord, today it says in verse 1, I'm to offer my body as a living sacrifice. So, Lord, today, even before I get out of bed, Lord, I choose to offer my body to you as a living sacrifice. My whole, my whole day, the use of my time, the use of my resources, the use of my money, Lord, my mind, Lord, my words, Lord, all my resources, I place at your disposal as a living sacrifice. How about that for a prayer before you got out of bed? Right? How about that as a prayer? Right? That's, that's just praying the Scriptures. That's making your will in line with His will. That's, that's what transformation is, right? More and more surrendering my will to God's will as revealed in His Word. So if you want to begin that process in, in very practical ways, pray the Scriptures. So Romans says, Romans 12, 1 says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. There you go. There was, there was your prayer right there. There was your prayer. Another example, right? Look at verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Oh, Lord, okay. Your will is that I not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Lord, I just got to pray about my work today. Because you know when I get to work, I just slide in and I talk like everybody else. And Lord, you know at work, my attitudes pretty much don't reflect you. Or Lord, I'm going to be hanging out with my buddies. Or whatever is on your agenda for the day, bring that before the Lord and say, Lord, in this area... I no longer want to conform to the pattern of the world. Right? Maybe you have something really, really big and heavy coming up this, that particular, maybe tomorrow, right? And it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Well, okay, maybe this thing is really causing you some fear, some anxiety, some worry. Right? How do you pray this? Okay, Lord. 
You say that I'm not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Well, Lord, today I've got to deal with this. And you know, you know I've been just tied up in knots. I've been worried, sick over this. So what does what God's Word say in Matthew 6? What? Do not, do not worry. Very clear. I mean, you don't need to know the Greek. Do not worry means what? Do not worry. He says it three times in that passage. Matthew 6, 25 to 33 says, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. So how do you bring this scripture to life? How do you get this living dynamic relationship? You say, okay, Jesus, today I got to make this phone call. Today I got to have this conversation. Today I have to, you know, deal with this issue and I'm just worried sick. And then you're like, well, wait, that means I'm conformed to the world. I'm being conformed to the world if I'm worrying. Because Matthew 6 says, do not worry. Right? Philippians 4 says what? Be anxious for nothing. Turn to the person and say, nothing. Did he really mean that? Did he really mean that? Does God really mean nothing when he says nothing? Well, it's in the Bible, right? So Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing, right? So if I'm, if I'm been sort of developed a habit and, and a pattern of life of anxiety, how does, how does transformation come to life even before I get out of bed? Oh, Lord, today I need you supernaturally to free me from anxiety. I need you today. I want to walk in accordance with Philippians 4, 6, which says be anxious for nothing. Do you see how all of a sudden this walk with Jesus becomes living and active? All of a sudden it gets out of theory. All of a sudden it gets out of good intentions. And because you prayed the Scriptures and you're submitting and yielding to God's Word, even before you got out of bed, your whole day can be radically different. And then as you develop this habit, not that you're going to be perfect that day, right? Anybody perfect here? No? no. Well, okay, we got one. We got one. Okay. Not that you're not going to, but if you do that regularly and if your desire, it's a desire, it's an issue of the heart, it's a willingness. Because see, if you pray that, it just might be possible that down the road at 10 o'clock when that thing comes and you start to get worried and anxious, you know what might happen? God might remind you of the prayer you prayed two hours ago. And you say, okay, Lord, wait, time out, time out. I'm starting to go down that path again. I'm starting to get worried. I'm starting to get anxiety. Wait, at 7 o'clock this morning, Lord, I said, okay, I need you. And Lord, I'm recognizing this pattern. See, sometimes our transformation really is pattern recognition, habit recognition. When it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, a lot of you, are, we're, we're good moral people in here. So it's not like talking about the big bad stuff. He's talking about the fears and the anxieties and the stuff of how the world reacts to world circumstances because they have no relationship with God. What he's saying is, hey, as you walk with Jesus, transformation oftentimes is him revealing, ah, Robert, that's the old Robert. That's the old Robert. And catching yourself and choosing to walk in newness of life. Amen? That's what transformation is. So if you find yourself recognizing the old person, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That's God showing you. Ah, Billy, that's not you anymore. You're a new creation in Christ. You're a new creation, right? 
You have the Holy Spirit. You've been getting everything you need, right? Ernie, that's the old Ernie. You don't need to do that anymore, right? So the wonderful thing about transformation, but also the very difficult thing, is it really confronts us with habits. It's, it, 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 it's, it's patterns. And not necessarily evil, wicked patterns, but patterns of dealing with life like the world deals with life, like we did before we knew Jesus. Amen? That's what transformation is. So how do you break that pattern? Well, not just being bad Linda, bad deal. You know, it's not just, it's not just walking around every day slapping yourself. It's not just, you know, beating yourself self up and feeling really bad because now you're just this horrible Christian. No. If you want to break patterns, you've got to put new ones in there. You've got to put new ones in there, right? A few weeks ago, there was a quote on the front of your bulletins. The crazy thing about change is that we want things to get better, but we want them all to stay the same. So here's this crazy thing in life. We want to change. We want transformation. But when it comes down to it in the practicalities of life, we don't want anything to change. Lord, transform me. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I want transformation. Anyone? I want transformation. Remember that prayer. Because two hours later, he's going to give you an opportunity. He's going to give you opportunity throughout the day and night to put off the old you and to walk in newness of life. And as you do that and you develop a new pattern, what happens? transformation that's what's happening that's what's happening right and we've been looking at this all year and for the past couple months we've been really kind of you know it's been really a gut check and I'll, I'll be honest with you i know it hasn't been easy for me and i know for some of you it's been a real challenge because we've been looking at reasons and obstacles to transformation and for many of us you know it's been kind of uncomfortable it's been sort of a peel let's peel the layers back and let's get real moment here What's going on? Right in Hebrews 5, we saw that some people were stuck, kind of, they, they weren't able to progress in their maturity because they were dull of hearing. Right? We saw dull of hearing. They had become spiritually lazy. They were, they were lethargic. There was no more drive. There was no more push. There was no more enthusiasm to grow in transformation. It just was like, eh, you know, right? And sometimes if we're not careful in church, we just get spiritually lethargic. We just kind of get dull and lazy. And suddenly, we just, you know, it's like, yeah, and it's just routine and it's rut. And we talked about that and we said, okay, Lord, is that me? Right? And then we looked in 1 Corinthians 3 last week and, and the Apostle Paul's talking to the church. He says, hey, I can't even talk to you like spiritual people. You're still kids. You're still on milk, right? And what was the issue there? Well, I like, I like the Apostle Paul and I like Apollos. There was division and envy and strife that had come into the church because people had reverted back to their old nature, their selfish, sinful nature. And they was like, well, I like this and I like this and I like Paul and I like Apollos. And, and Paul's like, I can't even talk to you right now. You should be further along in your spiritual maturity, but you're still like kids. You're still on milk and not solid food, right? And part of that was because in this area of life, they had let the old nature have its way still. Okay? So in transformation, I want to encourage you, 
there are seasons. There are seasons. And, and, and if we're not careful, we can slide into transformation being a very heavy negative thing and a, I'm, I'm always a less than, I'm always a failure type of Christian. And it's not supposed to be that way. How many believe transformation should be a wonderful, joyful thing? It should be. We should be embracing transformation, shouldn't we? We should be like, yes, yes. And, and I want you to turn that around because our culture, again, our culture, we live up in a very performance-oriented culture, right? Where if you don't measure up, you're always less than, less than, less than. So sometimes we get this idea that God is sort of genuine, sort of generally happy with me until I mess up. Anyone? God sort of just puts up with me. Eh. Hey, what's up, Diana? Until I mess up. And then when I mess up, then I hear from him. Right? See, it goes back to our view of God. Some of us, we shared before, have this view of God as a lightning bolt waiting for you to mess up and go, right? Some of us, honestly, think that God just tolerates you. And the only time you hear from him is when you mess up. Anyone ever have that experience in a relationship? Right? Maybe growing up or something like that, right? You didn't get a lot of affirmation, didn't get a lot of positive, didn't get a lot of hugs and kisses, and add a boy and add a girl, right? But you always heard it when you did something wrong, right? And so sometimes we forget that in transformation, guys, who's your biggest cheerleader? Who's your biggest cheerleader? Who desires your transformation? Who celebrates your transformation? When you mess up, who was the first one there to help clean you up and get you back on the track? Yes! He is for you. Right? Turn to the person next to you and say, God really is for you. Go ahead. Turn it. God is for you. God is for you. If you're his child, positionally, what does the Bible say? You are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Right? So positionally, you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Which means what? When God sees you positionally, how does he feel about you? Loving. When God sees you because you are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus, how does God feel about you positionally? Good. That's it. He just feels good. He just feels good. Hey, Diana, God feels good about you. How does God feel about you because you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ at this very second? How does God feel about you? Well, pleased. He loves you with the same love he has for who? Woo! Okay, I need to repeat that because some of you didn't get... Because you are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus, you are in Christ, Right? He is, he is well, he, this is my son, and well pleased. He's what you are well pleasing in his sight, but he loves you the same way he loves who? How many of you think God the Father kind of loves Jesus? Just a little bit. How does God the Father feel about Jesus? Well pleased, what else? Good. Okay. How many of you have a pretty solid, excited picture of how God the Father feels about Jesus? Pretty solid. Like, yeah, that's the, dude, that's, man, right? 
did you ever think, when was the last time you pondered the truth that God the Father feels the same way about you? Because you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. See, transformation, transformation begins in these wonderful truths that sort of take all the pressure off, guys. Because you're already loved. You're already well-pleasing. You're not trying to make the varsity. He's not going to post a list next Sunday. Okay, the list on the church, if you made the team, your name will be here. Anyone remember those days back when you had tryouts and you had to go to the list of the football team or the drama team, right? And you're like, oh, I hope I made the list. Oh, I hope I made the list, right? And then your friends tell you before you even get the list, oh, why'd you tell me, right? Some of us look at like our relationship with God like that. I hope I make the list. I hope I make the list. Am I on the, am I on the varsity? Or did I make JV? Where am I? Some of us, a lot of us think we're JV Christians around here. Because of your relationship with God the Father through faith in Christ, you are in Christ. Justified. Declared not guilty, fully righteous, right? When you're justified, right? Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, Romans 5.1. So if you're justified... Not only are you declared not guilty, you're declared fully righteous. When does that happen? Immediately. So when is that true? What? Oh, it's true right now. At 9.58. Right now. It's true. Is that true, Olivia, for you right now? This very second? You're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. God the Father is well pleased with you and He loves you as much as He loves Jesus. As you sit here. Don't you do? <laughs> you see, we have to begin to appropriate these truths. In Hebrews 5 and 1 Corinthians 3, when they talk about this progression from milk to solid food, okay, let me, let me help you out with that word picture. He says that, there's, that the milk kind of in those verses refers to elementary doctrine, right? Elementary, the basics of the faith, right? So John 3.16, the elementary faith is that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever should believe in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life, right? So kind of the basics, that's kind of a core elementary truth that Jesus, what? Died for you, right? Jesus died for you. How many familiar with that basic doctrine, right? Okay, Jesus died for you. Truth. Absolutely foundational truth, right? So what does that mean today? At, okay, 9.59. See, here, here's the point. Many of us, grasp in fact we came to faith based on the, the foundational elementary truth of John three sixteen, Jesus died for you, we're saved by grace through faith, right? We got that. Basic, foundational to our faith in Christ. Kind of milk. To move to the meat, the, the more deeper, the more immediate things, we have to ask, okay, I put my faith in Jesus' finished work, in his past work, right? To move to the meatier, deeper things of our faith, we have to focus on appropriating what He's doing today. What is true today of us, biblically. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
a lot of us get stuck in our maturity because we're still living based on Jesus died for me. Okay, I'm not denying that. That's true. That's elementary basic. Jesus died for you, right? You believe that? You appropriate? Okay, so I'm a Christian. Jesus died for me. I put my faith. I'm saved by grace through faith. Basic, elementary, foundational. The problem is, if you stay, if you stay there, come tomorrow when you face anxiety and fear and worry, how does Jesus died for me apply? Do you see? See, that's where you get this dichotomy and this disconnect. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose from the dead. I, you, and it's true, you do. So you're saved. You're in Christ. But if you don't move on to the implications of who you are in Christ, when you face real world issues, Jesus died for me and rose from the dead, doesn't really do it. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? If you're going to go from milk to the meteor things, you, 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 you acknowledge what Jesus did in the past, you affirm that, you put your faith in His finished work, but then to grow and to have the, the meat, you need to appropriate, chew on what's true today about who you are in Christ and what Jesus is doing for you today. You see? So the question is, are you living in present day truth? Are you appropriating present day truth? Now, if you're a believer, we all acknowledge Jesus died for us. Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. We are saved by grace through faith. Amen? Not a question if you're a believer. Done. Conviction. Boom. If you're going to deal with fear and anxiety and forgiveness and all this transformation, you have to move on to appropriate with the same conviction what's true today about who you are in Christ. And that's why some of us aren't growing. We live in, well, Jesus died for me. I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus died for me. But we don't study the Scriptures. We don't, remember, we don't appropriate and we don't walk according to what is true about us because He died for us. Amen? See, if you want to grow, you have to ask the next question. Okay, Jesus died for you, right? I believe that, yeah? Okay, so now what? You have to ask the question, so now what? If you start asking the now what question, you'll start to move into the meteor, solid food of your present day walk with Jesus. That's why when I talk about um, the gospel and I say, you know, when, when you, if you were here years ago, we taught on justification, which is declared not guilty, fully, fully righteous, right? So milk would be, hey, John 3.16, Jesus died for you. You're saved by grace through faith, right? We all got that. That's milk. One step further to me is Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Then we look, that's why, man, justification? I'm declared not guilty, fully righteous? So we go from John 3.16 to Romans 5.1, because Romans 5.1 deals with me today. I'm declared not guilty, fully righteous, which goes back to him being well-pleasing. You being well-pleasing, which goes back to him loving you just like he loves Jesus. You see? So this is the maturing in our faith. This is why it's so important for us to be in the Word. Because yes, as believers, we affirm what Jesus did for us. We put our faith in His finished work. But if we're going to walk today, 
in newness of life. Guys, we have to believe with the same conviction what he says is true about us right at this second. Amen? We have to have the same conviction about what Jesus did for us as who we are in Christ. You've got to believe it to the same degree. That's what he means in moving from milk to the meteor, the solid food. It's going from focusing on Jesus' past work to his present ministry in our life through the Holy Spirit. With the same conviction. And now, how does that play out? I'll be honest with you, in real life. The next time you get worried and anxious, Olivia. Okay, Lord. Okay. I have the conviction, Jesus. You have the conviction, Jesus. Okay, you know that. You know what that feels like, right? Settled. Not even a question. It's settled. So, Lord, you say to be anxious for nothing and not to worry. That's Philippians 4 and Matthew 6. Lord, in in this area... Help me to have that same conviction, that same settled conviction that God is in control. That's where the transformation begins to happen, guys. When we bring the same level of conviction and faith to our real-world circumstances and who we are in Christ. That's where the rubber meets the road, okay? How many of you know that song, I Surrender All? All to Jesus, I surrender, right? I surrender all, I surrender. Okay, if you sing the song, how many of you, that, that's conviction in your heart, I surrender all? Anyone? Okay. Have you? When do you surrender? See, I don't doubt your intention to surrender. I don't doubt your, your belief that you want to surrender, but you haven't surrendered anything yet, have you? When will you surrender? When something in life happens that requires you to surrender. You see the difference? I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. I surrender all. And we feel pretty good and pretty solid in that Intention? But when will the surrendering happen, guys? Outside that door and outside that door. In the course of life, when you're asked to give up the old patterns and the old sinful nature, then the surrendering happens. Then the transformation happens. Amen? You see, you see what's happening here? It's real world. Because then we're really challenged if we believe it or not. If the Scripture says, do not worry... When are you going to be challenged with the Scripture, do not worry? When the circumstance happens that is causing a whole lot of worry. Do you see what I'm saying? This is what I'm saying. Is if we're going to move from milk to solid food, we've got to not just believe what Jesus did for us. We have to appropriate what's true today. And that is going to happen, guys, in the muck and the mire and the brokenness of our lives. It's just going to happen there. How are you going to learn not to worry? When you, are, when you are put in a situation that in the past has created tremendous worry. How are you going to learn not to be anxious? That you can trust God with Philippians 4, 6. When you are put in a situation that creates tremendous anxiety. Because then you are confronted and I am confronted with, do I really believe this? Do I really believe this? in the same way that I believe Jesus died for me. 
And transformation is simply the lifelong process of bringing that level of conviction, not just about Jesus' death and resurrection, but that lifelong conviction about God's truth being true. Being true. And so I'm going to be transformed in the area of worry when I'm confronted with worrying. I'm going to be confronted with the issue of forgiveness when I don't want to forgive. I'm going to be confronted with the issue of use of my finances when it comes down to use of my finances. This is in the real life world is where God says, do you believe me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me, Diana? You you see what I'm saying? And this is where he lovingly, he lovingly shepherds us in transformation, guys. So yes, I believe many of you, without doubt, believe on Jesus. You trust him for salvation, on his finished work. Our desire as shepherds here, through the teaching of God's word, is to help you have those same convictions about who you are in Christ. Every day. Every day. In the ups and downs of life. Because in the ups and downs of life is where I and you are confronted with, do I really believe this? If you think back on your salvation days, how many of you had people share the gospel with you more than once before you believed it? Process? Process, right? Sometimes it's a process. So people shared and they shared and they shared and maybe you examined it, maybe you blew them off. But at a certain point, God worked in you. At a certain point, God, through His Spirit, opened your eyes to truth and you had to make a decision. Do I believe this? I've heard this five times now, but this fifth time something's happening. And at a certain point, you had to rest. The word faith is rest, like you're sitting in those pews. You had to rest in your conviction that I believe Jesus died for me. See, in in our transformation, God may be allowing circumstances in your life to develop the same conviction. Can I trust Him? Can I trust Him? Maybe it's worry. Maybe it's anxiety. I don't know what He's working on in your life. But it's an opportunity for you to trust Him and what He says in His Word in this area. In the same way you trust Jesus died for you. And why is that important? Let's turn to 1 Peter 2. First Peter 2. Actually, we'll start in verse, 1 Peter 1. The end of 1 Peter 1. Peter's writing to believers scattered in different regions, celebrating who they are in Christ. 1 Peter 1. Verse 23. 1 Peter 1.23 says this. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the Word that was preached to you. Therefore, since you've been saved, right? Since you've been saved, it says, Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And he says this, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. This context, milk, refers to God's Word as the basis of our nourishment. 
Okay? He's talking about spiritual nourishment coming from God's Word. Crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Amen? He says, hey, like newborn babies crave God's Word. And then it says this, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. How many of you want to grow up to be a mature Christian? How many of you want to be transformed, right? According to God's Word right here, how does that happen? Through God's Word. The Word of God, yes. Jesus says, sanctify them by the truth. Your Word is truth. If you want transformation, guys, if you want to grow up to maturity as a, as a believer, here it is. It's all in the Word of God. That's why here we decided six and a half years ago, we have to teach and preach the Word of God. That's why we encourage you, you need the Word of God. If you want to grow up in your faith, it's right here. I don't know what else to tell you. It's just right here. But here's the thing. It's not head knowledge. Maturing as a Christian is not knowledge accumulation. It is not. Okay? In the Old Testament, when the word they said, hey, hear, O Israel, or listen... It was always listen and obey. In the Old Testament, they never separated hearing and obeying. Never. Word of God. Look at it says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. That word crave, that's a powerful word. Any ladies here ever have cravings? During, right, pregnancy or whatever? What would you crave? Food, Okay. Anyone want to share a craving you may have had? Pickles and ice cream. The classic pickles and ice cream, right? Craving, a desire, a passion, a yearning, a longing for. Okay, we're going to look at this, this passage next week more. But I want to ask you a question. Do you crave God's Word like newborn babies? How many of you ever had a baby that was hungry? How many? Kept you up. Woke you up every three hours, right? I'm hungry. They were craving milk they were craving and until they got it they were not happy that's the word picture here are we craving god's word that way are we craving do we yearn do we have a passion just intense desire this longing for god's word like a newborn baby and if we're not there i want to encourage you this is this is this is where we're going the next few weeks why not? Where does it begin? Okay. Where does it begin, especially for us long-time church? <sighs> yeah, we're supposed to read the Bible. Yeah, now they give us memory cards. And they want us to come to Wednesday. And, you know, and, and now precepts are starting. And now there's women's thing. It's just, you know. I'm not talking about anything of the stuff of church, guys. I'm talking about just your craving for the Word of God. Where are you at? Where are you at this morning with that? And the starting point is this. Look at, let's look at it again. First Peter. Starting point is this. Verse 2. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Verse 3. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Have you tasted the Lord's goodness? Anybody here? 
Who here could testify, not that you're going to, how many here could testify to God's goodness in your life? The Lord is good. All right. How did you know that? How did, how, how did you learn that God is good? You got saved? How did you get saved? How did you know that you were supposed to ask Jesus for forgiveness? Well, what told your heart that? Okay, and what was the Spirit of God speaking to you through? <laughs> From where? The Bible! <laughs> Just give it up for Robert. Yes, Robert. Now, the truth is, all of you are like, woo! I'm glad he didn't ask me because I was going to say the same thing. Your faith, my faith, my understanding of God's goodness, heaven, hell, everything goes, comes from where? So God's goodness is rooted in what? What the Bible teaches about his goodness. See, our craving for the word of God sometimes wanes, sometimes goes away because we forget his goodness. We forget how good he's been to us. And it's not just experiences. It goes back to his goodness because the Bible says he's good. Right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. You've just experienced biblical truth. So don't forget that the goodness you've experienced comes out of the truth of Scripture. Scripture said he was good. You just, enjoy, you just enjoyed what Scripture already said. Amen? So here's the thing, guys. If you want to rekindle this craving, this hunger, this thirst for God's word, would you go back to his goodness? Celebrate his goodness in your life. Choose to celebrate His goodness. Celebrate heaven is your home. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Why is that? Because God is good. Right? You're a new creation. God is good. Right? We have everything we need for life and godliness. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. God is good. So it says, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, crave His word. The same word that showed you how to get saved. The same word that showed you that he loves you, Olivia, the same way he loves Jesus. That's not my opinion. That's what scripture says. All the good stuff of God, guys, comes from where, Brenda? The Bible. So if we want to crave, if we want to get that yearning, passion back, let's just spend today and the rest of this week celebrating his goodness and see what happens. Amen? I'm going to ask Vinny and Chawa to come up. They're going to sing a wonderful song that they've been teaching us the last few weeks. And here's what I want you to do. If God is good and all the time, sing this song as a way of expressing your thanks to Him. Sing this song not just because you put your faith in what Jesus did for you, Sing this song because He is your good, good Father. Sing this song because this song reflects present truth about you and me as we sit here at 1019. It is all true. You are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. You call Him Abba Father and He is well pleased. He is well pleased with you. Lord, thank You. Thank You for who we are in Christ. Thank You, Lord. That yes, we have put our faith in Jesus' finished work. But if we're going to grow 
and we're going to be transformed, Lord, we need the same faith and conviction in the present truth of who we are in Christ. And this song, Lord, we sing to you as our good, good Father because of who you are and because of who I am and we are in Jesus. Lord, today we carve out time to remember your goodness. Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And maybe for some it's been quite a while since we've just allowed ourselves the time to celebrate your goodness. To enjoy, to smile, to give you praise and say, oh, you are so good to me. So good. And Lord, maybe there's somebody here this morning that maybe has never put their faith in Jesus and His finished work in the past. And if that's you, I encourage you this morning, put your faith in Jesus so you can experience the goodness of being a child of God. The goodness of God's grace. The goodness of His love for you. All through faith in Jesus. And maybe it's been a dry spell for you and you're not craving the Word of God. And this morning you're like, Lord, remind me of Your goodness. Who I am in Christ. I am well-pleasing. I am clothed. You, you're smiling at me. You're smiling. You are happy with me. As I sit here, you are pleased with me. And Lord, I allow myself to enjoy and experience your goodness. I just So, Jesus, we hold these cups as very tangible reminders of your goodness. The goodness of God's grace. The goodness of you, Jesus, coming and paying the price we could never pay. The goodness of the truth that through faith in Jesus we are saved. So we take this communion, Jesus, in remembrance of you. And we take this communion in remembrance of the goodness of God in our own lives. And we simply say, thank you, Father.